You're listening to the Boss Business of Surgery series, episode 67. Today, I talk with Dr. Adam Harrison. The Boss podcast is now officially international. We talk about living our values and supporting women physicians. This is a great episode. You're going to get a lot out of it. And if you want to hear more about the Boss Business of Surgery series and about professional coaching, head to bosssurgery.com. Welcome, surgeons. Residency didn't teach us everything we needed to learn to be a successful surgeon. While we spent our time caring for patients and learning how to operate, we didn't learn how to advocate for ourselves or navigate our career. I'm your host, Dr. Amy Vertries. I'm a general surgeon, certified coach, and founder of the Boss Business of Surgery series. This is where you'll learn those lessons not taught in residency. Welcome back. I have a very special guest. This is Dr. Adam Harrison, but I've been so fascinated with his path uh, just because, I mean, what are the odds that you find um, a male doctor whose primary uh, goal in life is to support women leaders and, you know, finding an ally for women physicians um, it, there's just, there's many of them out there too, but I, I wanted to pick his brain about how he came across this path and a little bit more about him. And, you know, I think this actually officially makes the boss podcast international too, as he is from Britain. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> <laughs> so Dr. Harrison, I know that you had quite a, a path of getting to where you're at today. So take us through a little bit of your journey of, you know, how you became this, you know, physician coach and advocate for, for women physicians and, you know, a coach for coaching institutions. How did that path go? Cause I, I know you came about it from a unique way. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, I'll try and give you the, um, the concise version. Uh, but I'm, I'm a doctor, um, first and foremost, that's, that's what my original training was in, uh, graduated from med school a long time ago now, um, in the year 2000. Um, and yeah, work, worked as a doctor, um, for many years went into uh surgical training actually and um yeah found found that uh challenging um mainly from a, a personnel perspective and a, and a colleague perspective um so i did that for a few years before deciding i i, I thought i'd go into family medicine because I, I i see family physicians as having a bit more autonomy um you know they're kind of not um you know working to rule by the administration and, and things like that. In, in the UK, it's a, it's a different model. You know, and most family physicians have their own clinics um, and they kind of, to an extent, can kind of dictate how things go. Um, and yeah, I mean, I I did enjoy that, but, you know, I, I, I felt that had its own challenges as well. Um, and I had always been very interested in the, the intersection between medicine and law when I was a junior doctor, very junior doctor, I had a, a we call them consultants in the UK, so an attending who um, used to regale us with stories of the um, medical legal reports that he'd written um, as, as an expert witness for, for the lawyers. And uh, that really captured my imagination. And I was always very interested in um, histopathology as well. So the original career plan was to become a forensic pathologist you know, be that, you know, exciting kind of like, you know, crime scenes and how did they die? And, you know, uh, you know, all, all of that. Um, and I did histopathology, but it it didn't, uh, it didn't really work out for me. So then I went down the surgical route and then, and then family medicine, but the, I, I kept being revisited by this, uh, this itch um, about medical law that I just had to scratch essentially. So when I finished my, um, my family medicine residency, I looked into, working for um, an, an organization that looks after doctors legally. 
Um, it's a it's it's a concept that I don't think you really have in the states. My understanding is that you get insurance in case someone tries to sue you. Um, but here we have what are called medical defense organizations that provide indemnity that not only do that, that kind of help you with claims and potential claims, but also if you have a complaint um, made against you by a patient, they help you draft your response to the patient or if someone refers you to the regulator, to the medical board or something like that. So we help with all these other sorts of things. Um, and I thought that would be great. You know, um, I'm interested in law and I'm a doctor and I'd love to work with other doctors and help them. So, you know, that's what I'll do. So I went to work for one of the um, the defense organizations. Um, and again, that, that was uh, that was difficult. Um, you know, it was working from home. It was uh, working within a corporate structure, which you're not used to as a, as a public sector doctor. You know, having KPIs, um, key performance indicators, you know, you have to answer your phone within six rings and things like this. And it was all, you know, and kind of turn your turn your thing records around in a certain time. It was, oh, my gosh. And I was working from eight till ten every day. Um, that's eight a.m. till ten p.m. Uh, if only it were terrible. eight a.m. till ten a.m. And then in, in my home, so that we we converted the front living room into the office, and I just began to resent this space, you know, and 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 just yeah. Um, so uh, I thought, well, okay, um, I'm really enjoying the legal aspect of this job. So uh, I'll go and study law. And, you know, like most most doctors and especially surgeons, we're kind of complete finishers. We like to get things done and see it to its, its sort of natural conclusion and be the person that affects that outcome. So um, I thought, yeah, I want to be um, a barrister and a, a barrister. Again, you don't you don't really have them in the US, um, is my understanding. But um, they are the um, attorneys that are. Uh, mostly court ad advocates they are mostly the ones that kind of you know you, you see them you might see them on the tv they had they wear their little wigs and they wear their black gowns and they look very official and you know and you know addressing the the judge and all of that and it's all very very exciting and interesting and i was like yeah i want to do that because um the initial bit of the legal process is handled by solicitors in the uk um so they are uh, attorneys that kind of just mainly deal with the, the kind of paperwork side of things and then when it needs to go to court they tend to hand it on to barristers so i wanted to be the one you know who kind of sorted everything out at the end you know swooped in and uh gets all the glory and whatever <laughs> not really i'm not not a glory hunter um and <laughs> why not i'm a fan of glory well, I, <laughs> well you know now now i'm a coach you know i'm a big advocate of everyone kind of like seeking you know kind of like to not hide their light under a bushel and kind of like tell people how great they are so that they can do more good in the world but at that at that time in my life I was a bit more modest um anyway so that was the um that was the plan so I, I went to law school uh I went to bar school uh passed the bar um it's the UK we call it called to the bar I was called to the bar um in 2014 and that kind of coincided with us having a very young family uh, my wife is a uh an attending maxillofacial surgeon and she was still on her training on her residency program um, and so it just, you know, decisions had to be made. And I decided, well, you know, my wife has been in the UK to be a maxillofacial surgeon, you have to do dentistry and medicine degrees. So you have to be like a DDS and, and an MD. Um, so she'd done all that, you know, kind of like nine years as a, you know, dental school and medical school before she even got to become an intern and, and a resident and so on. 
And I was like, well, she's on a very established training path. Her career is going somewhere. You know, it's very hierarchical in the UK. So, you know, if you, as long as you pass your exams and so on, you do get to the next stage. You kind of, you know, guarantee promotion, if you like. Um, so I was like, well, you know, I haven't really started my legal career. I go back to being a real junior lawyer, like being an intern again with the hours and the salary that that comes with, which is obviously very similar to how it is in medicine. And we have a, you know, a, how was my daughter was like 14 months or something at the time. And it just didn't seem practical for me to be embarking on that journey at that stage. So I was like, you know what, you carry on doing what you're doing with your training and I'll figure it out. You know, I have a law degree, medical degree, you know, something will come up. So it was then that I decided to put myself out there to local medical organizations and just sort of say, look, I'm here. Uh, I'm a doctor. I'm a lawyer. You know, I've got all these skills. I can help you. Uh, I can help your doctors. I can represent them. I can do this, you know, advisory work for you and so on. And um, yeah, so I got I got taken on by a, a couple of organizations, actually. And uh, I got co-opted onto a committee. And then with time, I was kind of elected to the board of directors. And then I became vice chair of this organization. In another organization, I was an um, assistant medical director for um, a region. And uh, it was great. And it was during those leadership roles that I was offered the opportunity to have some leadership coaching. So this was in 2018. And, you know, I didn't know what a coach was, you know, well, I was sort of coach kind of, you know, think about the States when you think of coaches, actually, you know, you think about like, you know, basketball coaches and baseball coaches and, and football coaches and stuff. You think, oh, okay. So what's, what's this coaching malarkey all about? Um, I'll, you know, I'll see what, what it entails. So I had, I had the, uh, enlisted a, a leadership coach and uh, yeah, I mean, to say it was clearly transformative and, and life-changing, um, you know, would be an understatement, I guess, really. Um, you know, it, it totally made me look at, well, not only my leadership style and skills or lack thereof, um, but my life in a completely different way. You know, it was the first time I was exposed to the concept of values. I mean, you know, I always say to clients, we, we all kind of inherently know what our values are to an extent, you know, as in we know what things make make us kind of viscerally feel you know that's not right that's not in line with my ethics that that doesn't that doesn't sit well with me you know maybe makes us recoil in horror at times but we also know what things kind of attract attract us you know and you know it's all to do with our moral compass but it wasn't until that stage of my life and I was blimey 42 then or something like that that I had words we've like gone along all this time and doing yes. all these things and have, you know, you've reached the success of being, you know, a lawyer and a physician and, you know, all of a sudden, like someone at 42 years old offers you some clarity about how you even got there. And, you know, yeah. I, I definitely think that that's where, um, you know, a lot of coaching comes in is to provide us some mm -hmm. clarity because what happens is that we pick up all these great habits and we also pick up all these terrible ones too. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, all based on our limited thoughts that are offered as we go along. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I definitely found that, uh, that coaching provided the clarity that I did not realize that I needed. I mean, it was kind of yeah. like, a, you know, we go by our instincts and what we've yeah. learned um, and yeah. not as much a, a purposeful kind of yeah. thing. I'm curious, yeah. what is yeah. the perception of coaching um, in, in Britain? Because I know like here, physician coaching, not always some positive feedback. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, 
I, I have to say that the the UK, as as far as I can tell, and the 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 way that coaching has been received by I can mainly speak for physicians, uh, the physician community is um, a bit more kind of lukewarm, shall we say? Um, uh, you know, I think we are probably a good ten years behind the US in acceptance of coaching as a uh, as a technique and a process to to kind of move forward um, with our lives. Um, and having lived and worked in Australia and uh, New Zealand as well within the last few years, I think you know Australia is further behind still you know it's, it's mm. probably behind the uk by about 10 years and new zealand again probably another 10 years behind australia wow so um yeah the, the maturity of of coaching and the yeah the receptiveness of physicians to coaching in the us is is a lot is a lot higher it's, it's fascinating because you know coaching has been around in other industries for a long time and you know very well received and um you know has made it into kind of the infrastructure of a lot of businesses um you mentioned that coaching provided some clarity for you as far as like values and how you had gotten where you had gotten and mm. you know how did you take these lessons that you learned and then you know decide that this is what I want to do this is what I'm good at this is what is worth it for me well, you know, it was interesting because the, the clarity it gave me at the time was that uh, it just it, it just made my previous kind of like career pathway make a bit more sense. So one of my um, one of my core values, one of my top five values is um, is judgment. And uh, that's not in, in, in the negative sense. It's kind of like justice um, and fairness and equity. And uh, so I, I it, it seemed to me then that looking through the retrospectoscope, it was almost preordained that I would end up studying the law because I, I want to be one of those people that, that that stands up for people who are disempowered and discriminated against and disenfranchised. And uh, so that the values exercise for me was just so, so helpful. And, and you know, I really validated the exercise for me because, you know, without even knowing my values, if I if I look back, I could kind of slot it into the way that my career had gone, you know, um, and you know, so uh, you know, my uh, other core values are things like you know gratitude and honesty and humor and love and and these are things that I bring into my coaching now. Um, I love you know. that you brought that up because you know I too uh, have taken a couple like turns where I look back, you know, at the time I was thinking, oh gosh, what on earth is going on. <laughs> But I mean, once you realize, once you get to know yourself a little bit more, um, you know, some of these detours that that feel sort of like, where do they come from? Looking back made perfect sense. Yeah. You know, I, I look back at several times in my life where I felt like I was in crisis. And really, this was simply just a shift that got me closer to an alignment of, of where I was meant to be, you know, yeah. and, and once I stopped, you know, kind of like looking back at myself as saying like, you know, judging myself for taking a particular path. And I started realizing, you know, the understanding of how I did that or, and why it was necessary. Um, mm. You know, I think the more we study our past and our values and provide clarity on that, it, it gives us more of a direction of the future with much less drama and much less, you know, concern that we're not going to get in the right place because once you know yourself, then you kind of trust the process, I guess. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you, you know, uh, since I have you know discovered what my 
my values are and 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 they do say to that actually they are um in in evolution so actually to revisit these values surveys every every so often and just kind of you know check that your values are still the same and that you're not kind of out of kilter living out of kilter. you know you th- you think your values are this and you're living by them but maybe still things don't seem quite right in your life so actually when you look at them again it's like oh well I've, I've changed a little bit you know and, and actually you know one of the other values that was a bit lower is now has now kind of like jumped up and been promoted and so that's why things aren't quite right because i'm not actually living by what my top five values are or, or whatever but um i've I, I tend to do this uh exercise with most of my clients and and i would say maybe one in 20 have done something like this before you know i've done a values questionnaire before um but i just think it's such a worthwhile um process to go through because all of them then will say to me afterwards ah uh-huh, now it feels like a light bulb was switched on you know um i and and often they'll come to me in difficulty so you know i i do sort of have a little subspecialty interest in working with victims of workplace bullying for example and they'll come to me because they're having a problem with one of their colleagues and will do their values thing and they're like Ah, I can kind of see a way through this now. I just need to do it according to my values. And, you know, so perhaps it's um, you know, previously they didn't have the the courage to speak up and call some kind of behaviors out. But actually, when they they look at themselves, they realize actually, you know, kind of honesty and and judgment are are their values as well. And it's like, yeah, I this is why I'm feeling uncomfortable because I'm not, I'm not speaking up and calling it out. And then when they do that and they find there's you know what what whatever it tends to happen in in a good the outcome tends to be good you know the uh the perpetrator's like oh um didn't realize you felt like this or you know i'm i'm sorry or you know um or or all of a sudden it's like god someone's standing up to me um that's a bit of a you know uh a shot across the bows i'll kind of like uh obviously i'm a bully you know and do you know what i mean it kind of like it's a certain actions that you then um propagate in line with your values they they have quite beneficial effects generally so i completely agree because i think that the more that we live our values uh it lets other people live theirs too um because i like no one really wants to be a bully and they probably don't even know that they are and yeah. you know th- like when we tell people don't do these things you know the immediate yeah. reaction can be like what no there's nothing wrong with yeah. me but if you say you know like this matters to me and this is what i understand and this is how i'm going to act then we show other people through influence. Um, and I think influencing yeah. is is so much more effective um, than some of the other strategies that we've tried. Yeah, I absolutely I love that you've said that. I was um, working with some medical students yesterday. I had a small group of about six medical students. We we're talking about burnout, um, but uh, we we're talking about the, the, the impositions that the doctors they were working with were putting on them, the expectations they were putting on them to turn up, not kind of have any, you know, well-being time, any decompression time. And they were, you know, quite understandably struggling with this. And uh, one of them actually said, no, this is, you know, this is not appropriate. You know, I, we don't have any time, you know, we're kind of, we're, we're doing this surgical attachment, you know, we're kind of in at seven, we leave at 6.30, we go home, have some dinner, and then we're having to work through all our, um homework if you like you know the, the stuff on Moodle on the, the um the virtual learning environment until about 11 p.m midnight and then we're up again we're absolutely exhausted and um and 
that actually gave some of her peers who had witnessed that the kind of the feeling that well she's speaking up so i i could speak up too and it kind of empowered them um so she was kind of acting in a, in what i believe was a very values led way um but she was inspiring others to mm-hmm. to kind of you know and then you have a ripple effect and then it's like then you know the system kind of says oh well actually i'll be working them too hard we've had multiple complaints now um yes and, and i well, love your approach because you know when we know our values and we're able to express our values and you know we express them from our point of view of like this is what works for me and then the other person's like oh okay i see that now versus where i think a lot of the easier way of like i'm going to send an email to their boss or i'm going to complain to my program director and you know so then they get the message indirectly and there's something lost in the translation of it for for two things you know one i think it's ineffective um and it puts people on sides um, yeah. the, the second thing is kind of miss the point of, of how they feel in the first place. And the third yeah. thing is exactly what you mentioned is that we miss out on the opportunity for ripple effects. You know, when we yeah. are able to stand up to, our, you know, stand up for ourselves from mm. a, a position of strength and clarity, um, the other person sees it and other people see it too. And it's allowing permission for other people to say, oh, this is how we can go about this. And, you know, and nothing happened to them. In fact, actually that went quite well. Yeah. And so yeah. we lead by example that can help. And um, I think the problem is a lot of people don't necessarily see those ripple effects. Um, but when you look around, you start to realize when you stand up for yourself from a position of love and clarity and purpose um, and, you know, in support of that other person as well, because, mm. you know, when we cast ourselves in the victim villain role, that doesn't always help either. Mm. No. Uh, but other people can see a different way to approach things. Um, and I think that's yeah. really, you know, easy ways that we can change things that don't feel easy till you do them. And you realize like that wasn't hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I completely agree. Yeah. It's much better than sending the email and waiting for a response and getting fearful about the beatings, you know, all the things, <laughs> the, the machineries yeah. that we like, like set off in the background with some of these things. Yeah. It's so much easier in the moment to yeah. say, this is what I need. And this is why I need it. Um, yeah. It's so much more effective. Yeah, for sure, for sure, and and in, and in fact, uh, yeah, I was talking to to uh, a colleague this morning, and we we're saying, you know, that's a a really good example of uh, of great leadership, really. You know, so rather than um, you know, someone in a leader, leadership position, just immediately kind of formalizing it, putting it in writing in in the form of an email and, and whatever. If you've got you know um, a, a gripe, if you're disgruntled about something, just try and tackle it informally at first, and just just kind of have that conversation. Um, I mean, I think uh, you know some some people have a, the the worry that well, if it's not written down, then there's no audit trail and you, you know and all that kind of stuff. It's like, oh, we're not even at that stage. Let's just have a little friendly chat, you know, and and see if we can sort it. Um, exactly. Now, so take us through. Um, I know that you now have a you know really great podcast about inspiring women leaders. Now, how did this idea come about, and you know where did where did that particular inspiration come from? So I think I think it'd been a long time coming. Um, I only really had the the sort of epiphany um, about doing it really three and a half years ago, I guess. Um, but I think it had been a long time in the making. As in, you know, I come from a family that is um, kind of more more female heavy, if you like. Um, you know, my my mum uh, was uh, is. 
<laughs> but she's um obviously I don't live with her now but she's uh, a very kind of in- strong and and inspiring woman you know I, I remember uh, you know we come from um you know and not a not a not very um well off background and I remember at one stage she was kind of holding down three jobs but still managing to kind of look after us um and you know I I, I thought she had real real fortitude and real resilience you know um so she was a great inspiration to, you know, as, as a kind of um you know a, be- a benchmark for how women can be my mum was a, a really good starting point you know for me in, in my life um and I have two I have two sisters so I'm the only I'm the only boy um and they are you know they're also very strong in, innovative women um and they they really inspire me as well but my uh my wife is uh yeah for, for me she's just an absolute incredible example of uh a female leader um and she has shown enormous sort of um resolve in her life as well she's she comes from um an immigrant family her her father emigrated to the uk from pakistan in the in the late 60s and uh she was born in in the uk so she's british pakistani but you know quite a traditional um upbringing and so for her you know let's let's say that her pathway to be to becoming a an attending maxillofacial surgeon and marrying a a, a white a white guy was not without its challenges you know um and she's you know she's she's such a great team player um she's really motivated she's so hugely respected by everyone that she works with you know from um you know everyone that kind of she's just nice and kind and inclusive to to everyone you know so she'll get along and speak in the same way to someone whether they're the domestic in, on the ward up to a fellow attending or the medical director or whatever you know everyone is um part of the team and she values everyone and uh so she's she's a massive massive inspiration for me and um yeah i just it just kind of um occurred to me uh as i say a few years ago that i had of all the leaders that i'd worked with you know as a junior doctor you know my my attendings and uh then when i'd worked in medical leadership roles you know and had had bosses who were women as well um compared with the male bosses that i'd had in my life they were you know far superior you know in terms of just their their communication skills their their inclusivity their compassion or you know kind of really good good leadership values that i i really um admire and so we were originally uh when we went for my wife's fellowship in australia which is in july 2019 i was it was going through my head then i thought well when we we were only supposed to be away for a year but obviously the pandemic happened but the pl- the plan was a year later i was going to put on some sort of conference um for uh for female female doctors you know trainees mainly i i guess i hadn't really kind of worked worked it all out um but something so that they could come along to this conference and uh, see all these great uh female leaders that i'd worked with who were obviously going to agree to come and do my conference clearly um (laughs) and they were going to speak and they were going to inspire the next the next generation that was the that was the plan and uh and i i kind of uh you know explored it a little bit with some organizations that put on events and and it, it just didn't really look as if it was sort of financially viable so i was like that you know kind of around that same time 
I really got into podcasts and I started listening to uh, Dr. Una's podcast, Entre, Entre MD. Mm-hmm. Love her. And I was, I was consuming that podcast. I mean, I was, you know, I was inhaling it. I mean, <laughs> any, any spare moment I was listening to her podcast. And uh, I just thought, oh, hold on a minute. You know, I could create a podcast. And, and it was the, you know, the idea through her podcast that physicians can do anything they want and don't just have to be physicians, don't have to be one trick ponies is her, her little catchphrase um, that I thought, well, yeah, I could I could create a podcast. Um, so that was the idea. And, and and you know, and I just had I had this long list of people that could be, you know, guests who are ma- mainly physicians, but I am kind of branching out now. I have uh, had a an administrator. I've got um, an ex nurse who now runs a um uh, a coaching company for doctors um i've got some some other non non physicians coming on but yeah where all of these 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 fantastic women with their great experience of leadership can just kind of share their journeys and the learning that they've had on that on that journey and the challenges they face and how uh you know each episode then is is an absolute kind of you know gold mine of information for the listeners about uh you know because all of the different leaders have faced different challenges so there's there's always something new to learn in in every episode but i that you know as a strong advocate for women and a, a sort of strong male ally i with two daughters again as i say my family's quite female heavy i have two daughters i have no sons i was going to mention your two daughters because <laughs> it, it makes it's no surprise to me you know where a lot of your motivation is coming from because you know clearly your path was formed by your the strong women around you but you now mm. have these two women that you're raising um and yeah. then you know preparing them for the world it, it makes perfect yeah. sense that this would be something that would you know align with your mission and your values yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah in fact I was you know I was talking to um one of the medical students yesterday after the session and um you know we were talking about you know what's what's your definition of success sort of thing and it's you know for some for some doctors it's it's financial for others it's being really patient-centered and being you know doing a great job for all of their patients but for me you know I suppose part of my legacy is I, I you know the good the good that I want to um have done in my little corner of the world is that I've helped support these amazing women including my my daughters who are amazing women to be um to to succeed and you know you know kind of like in in this you know rapidly changing world where um you know we're, we're women are th- trying now to kind of catch up for you know centuries of suppression um, and it's so lovely for me to see all these groups that are, you know, female, female physician coaches setting up groups for for women, for women coaches. You know, I always kind of joke that I wish I could kind of join these things because they look amazing, you know, but, you know, I understand why I can't. Um, but, you know, I, it's really, you know, I want it to be my legacy so that my girls can sort of look back and say, well, you know, um, dad was, you know, he did he did he did good for for us, for for women. Um, so, yeah, that's I suppose my main motivator now. And, you know, now that you've had this podcast for a while, what are some of the lessons that you have learned uh, specifically that that uh, from these women leaders that stood out to you? Uh, off the top of my head, um, a, a couple of things really stand out. I think um, I don't know if men don't take the time to think about the things that can happen to their female counterparts in medicine um, or if they what do you are mean specifically? you know gloriously oblivious to, to these things so so one of my guests 
um, who is an uh, attending um, gastroenterologist and hepatologist, you know, um, shared a story on the show um, about uh, how she, you know, she was a, a national expert in, um, I think it was viral hepatitis. And she was at a conference and it was, you know, it was all um, kind of very male heavy. You know, she's one of, one of very, very few women experts in this, um, this area, this area of medicine. Um, and that she, um, you know, she was uh, sitting in the, uh, sitting in the audience at one point and sitting next to a, a guy, um, you know, a fellow male physician and, um, you know, they were kind of like talking about their, their other halves and their kids and stuff. And he was showing her photos of his kids on, on his phone and, and stuff. And then, you know, later later on in the uh, the event he you know touched her touched her leg and was like i really like you can can we meet up later and 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 it was just like but earlier you know you were showing me pictures of your wife and kids on your phone and now you're doing this you know and it's like just not really it's not something that men have to contend with so i don't i just think we we don't think about it so this um, idea that she wasn't seen as a physician, she was seen as a female. Yes, yes. And, you know, I mean, obviously the, uh, you know, the, the the morals of that, of that, of that guy were, you know, questionable at best, right? But I mean, an- another uh, example of the, from the same conference is that, you know, she was doing a, 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 pan, a panel thing. So she was on the stage and she was the only woman, there were like nine other male um, physicians. And, you know, at the end, at the end of it, um one of them was like okay okay gentlemen you know should we all go to the bar and 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 have a drink and have a chat oh oh we'll see we'll see you tomorrow they said to uh he said to the um uh, my my guest you know uh it's like so she's you know she she didn't have a seat at that at that table which is where you know down the down the bar at the golf club whatever this is where you know people uh, arrange who's gonna you know, write papers together and who's going to get funding for this. And, 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 you know, she's completely out of the equation. And so, you know, and she now is one of the, um, you know, she's hugely involved in, um, you know, women, women's only um, physician groups. And, and she, she just group coaching and arranges retreats and she's, you know, trying, trying to level, level up, you know, as, as quite a lot of um, um, female physician coaches are doing so it's it's really good that that's that's going on but it's just you know this is another world that you know and i think that you know young men who are hopefully listening to the podcast are are hearing these things and learning that these things go on and are equally as shocked as i am and are thinking this is terrible you know we don't want to be that generation we don't want to be that kind of person we don't want you know we want things to change for our our female colleagues um you know it's complex too because so then people are like okay well i see the issue is that they were not invited to the table essentially Mm. but then you know i've run into some other um women physicians who also run into things now they are invited to the golf game the bar but they've mm. got the duties as children and things like that. The, the second yeah. second shift syndrome too. Um, yes. Now yeah. that the constraints that we have with uh, families and all too keep us from doing yeah. you know, coming yeah. to these things too. So it's it's definitely um, involves you know being aware of your colleagues and you know yeah. what is actually going on with them, not just at work but at home and and what all yeah. the limitations are that are, and, and accommodating 
for the the different lives that everyone has. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, you know, you bring up another subject, and and there's a there's a whole kind of d- discussion there for another day around. Well, um, if you know these uh, women who are invited to these uh, events, these networking events, and and so on, and collaborative events have families and they have husbands or wives or spouses why are they not able to go to these why is you know why is the other person in the in the family not kind of like yeah my my, my wife has loads of things to go to you know she's she's, she's on loads of committees and it's just like yep yeah, fine you're okay you're you're just tell me in advance what what, what you're doing or what you're going to and what you know events you have to be at and what committees you're chairing and the rdr and that's fine. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll make sure that I'm free that evening. And equally, if I'm coaching um, in an evening, because, you know, with the time difference, I often coach in the evening, my, my American clients, you know, I'll be like, can you, you know, can you make sure you're home this evening? Because I'm coaching. And so it's we, we, we collaborate as a couple. So I do, you know, I just kind of worry about, you know, those female physicians who are don't have unless you know if they're if they're single parenting that's that's different of course you know but if they do have a partner it's like who's who's why are they not helping each other out you know um is is the is the man in the relationship kind of seeing their their career or their social life is more important you know and and so there's you know there's misogyny at work and and so on but is there also some in the in the domestic scenario as well for sure and you know, who has been like one of your most memorable guests and what did you learn from them? <laughs> um, Not meant to be a trap, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, well, I, you know, I'm a, you know, I have a, I have a, I have a, a somewhat geriatric brain. So my, my most memorable would be my most recent. Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the struggle's real. <laughs> from, a, <laughs> from a purely short-term memory viewpoint but um no I've had some absolutely sensational guests you know there isn't I have I have a, I have a, a few super fans and uh who, who kind of like you know post on on my uh, who comment on my posts and and they kind of write like you know synopses of the episodes you know I'm like that's amazing thank you for for writing those learning points down you know which I I you know didn't have the um time or energy to do in the show notes excuse me um but actually you know one of um uh yeah my most recent guest uh the episode is is not yet is not yet out so um but it probably will be by the time this episode comes out right um she is uh her name's uh, dr barbara barbara joy jones and she is a family physician she co-owns her own clinic um she's a plus size model and uh is currently been featuring uh, doing um bridal uh modeling um like uh, around on t- on tour with this company um she's a media doctor as well so she's been on on national tv um she's a motivational speaker and she is a uh, a mum to be of uh, IVF pregnancy of twins that uh, and she's 20, just just over 24 weeks now and she is just she founded an organization that really piqued my interest called White Coats and Gavels in Atlanta, Georgia. And it's an organization for uh, female physicians and female lawyers and judges. And as far as I know, she only she only founded it about a year ago. She already has 1500 members. She runs events that regularly has two to three hundred people going along to these events. 
and she is as far as i'm concerned she's an an absolutely amazing example like par excellence of work you know deciding what you want out of your career and then kind of making it happen um because she has forged her own beautiful portfolio career and she loves all aspects of her roles yeah but also she was Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry to interrupt, but you know, like, I think that's that's such a great point. I wanted to highlight it too. It was like we can actually decide what we want for our career and and make it happen. I mean, yeah. you know, it, it seems so simple, but you know, we actually don't really believe that. Um, I mean, I think that's probably the one of the greatest limiting thoughts that we have is yeah. that we actually do have control over a career, and that is the most important thing, and that most yeah. people could care less about our career. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. We are the ones that are the determining it because we can and we should, yeah. and it's actually not going to interfere with anyone else typically, you know, and yeah. I, I think that that, you know, what a beautiful lesson that she yeah. is offering us, um, you know, that, yeah. that limiting thought we didn't know we had. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was because, you know, she, she worked for, as she calls it, corporate America medicine um, mm-hmm. as a family physician and she burnt out and she was having suicidal ideation and she was just wishing to be hit by an, as she called it, an 18 wheeler on her way to work. So she had a great reason not to go to work. <laughs> and it was at that point when she was at her lowest and she was fairly newly married then. And so she realized that she wasn't really giving her all to the marriage as a, as a newlywed, you know. And, um, you know, this obviously was just she was in the depths of despair, really, um, that she's like, that's it. No more. I can't do this um and she um and so the other kind of um two lessons from from her are you know how she set these things up and physicians you know my experience i i kind of i do some workshops on um physicians using linkedin and trying to get onto linkedin create a profile and networking on linkedin and a lot of physicians especially in the uk are quite suspicious of it but anyway um that's that's actually where we met too was on linkedin (laughs) (laughs) she good job we're we're open to that right um Mm -hmm. but you know she's a very very good networker and and collaborator and and she uh sort of ascribes her success in you know with white coats and gavels to the fact that she's just always been a kind generous giving person and you know people she's her actions and her kindness have you know elicited gratitude in others such that when she's wanting to do something people are are very keen to kind of like get on board and, and help her because they know she's such a great person. Um, so, so there's that. And then the, the kind of the clinic side of things, I think she set up with someone who was mentoring her. And this is a, a really recurrent theme that comes through. Uh, I think um, Barbara was uh, episode eight. I was episode one. So she was my 17th guest. And, you know, most of the guests at some point said, uh, as one of their lessons um, and, and learnings for for the audience, um, get a mentor. Mentoring is so useful and so important. And you know why? Why do it all on your own? Why make those mistakes that we, we all make? Why not just learn from someone who's already made the mistakes, and just get a bit of a head start? And I think that has Absolutely. been mm, really important. Yeah, I love that. Um, and so, what is it that you hope to get? Like you know, as your next evolution of your career now too, you know, as a coach and as, you know, this um, leader of the podcast of Inspiring Women Leaders, you know, what is your next steps? Where do you see your career going? 
Um, I guess I just want to be as Im impactful as as I can. Um, you know the 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 podcast is 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 doing is doing pretty well. Um, I you know I'd like it to reach more people. Um, and I don't I don't see it sort of you know finishing anytime soon. You know, uh, it'll be uh, a year that I've been doing only do an episode every two weeks. But it'll be a year in May. Um, and then I'm looking to start um, season two. It's all all American guests uh, so far. Um, I'm looking to kind of have a more British guests in the in the second year of the show. And just yeah, keep 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 spreading the word, keep banging the drum. Um, and you know, I I I'd have a, quite a lot of um, you know guests who are women of color. And you know, I want um, you know I want people to come on who are um, who can really um appeal to that you know more of a disenfranchised audience you know so that um you know younger women of color who are listening or younger um you know less physically abled people or um you know i don't think i've had a well knowing knowingly i don't think i've had a uh, a gay guest or a trans guest yet you know i want i want i want to really kind of open the doors and um so that everyone can realize that leadership is for everyone um so that that would be that would be good and uh yeah just kind of keep doing what i'm doing but do do more of it really um i love leadership coaching one-to-one -one and i love group stuff um so uh just do more of that um and again just talking about dr barbara joy um you know with her kindness you know this kind of thread of kindness that has run run through her life you know that's what's so important to me for me with the workplace bullying side of things that I do, which again, I'd like to do more of, but you know um, it's difficult to persuade organizations to use someone who's going to talk about workplace bullying, because of course, as we all know, no organizations have a bullying problem, right? <laughs> you would have to come with the admission of that. Yes. So I can understand where there's some problem in marketing. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I've, you know, but the, the but the the flip side of that coin for me is that uh, working with the individual victims of workplace bullying is is good, and I can give them techniques and give them a toolkit to use to kind of um, you know help themselves in in the future. But that's not really much use on the shop floor, except for two individuals, mm -hmm. if we're not doing something from the top down. Mm -hmm. So for me, you know, we need to start with the C suite and work our way down and for that kind kind leadership to kind of filter through an entire organization which takes time but we have to start so i've i've started doing talks and and, and webinars and workshops and things on uh, the benefits of kindness in the workplace the benefits of, of a kinder leadership culture and that kind of stuff and i'd really like to do more of that well i mean it, it's clear that you are leading with your own you know values of of kindness and generosity and openness and support and you know there. I think that so many of your values are very clear in what you do. And I think this, um, you know, knowing what your values are and clarity and leading from that, um, you know, is clearly why you're, you're successful. So now along those lines, where can people find you? Uh, LinkedIn. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just, uh, just Dr. DR um, Adam Harrison uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, my website is um, www.dradamharrison. So DR Adam Harrison, all is one word.com um i i am on um instagram and facebook but not not as not as much as on uh, as on linkedin so linkedin website 
um an email is just uh, dr.adamharrison at gmail.com so please yes, and of course your podcast inspiring women leaders you know highly recommend people checking that <laughs> out as well i mean all those these little snippets and real life scenarios and, and leadership lessons of you know real people and hearing their stories and providing depth to that too is you know really inspiring i mean i've listened to several of these episodes and i think they're really really great oh thank you so much yeah yeah for sure that's 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 the aim thank you all right well thank you dr harrison for coming on today really appreciate all your time I'm so grateful to you for for having me, Amy. I've looked at the kind of you know the past guest uh, guest list, and it's like, oh my gosh, I'm I'm so honoured to to be among them. So thank you very much for having me. It is my honour for sure. <laughs> Bless you. For more information on the Boss Business of Surgery series, go to bosssurgery.com.